Good evening, Phantoms and Fantinas, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I am your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're finishing off Kit's Opera and the Nether Regions triple feature with 2004's Phantom of the Opera, directed by Joel Schumacher and starring Emmy Rossum, Gerard Butler, and Patrick Wilson. So, Kate, you've been waiting for this one for a long yeah. time. I'm going to let you take the reins okay. and uh, just take us away. Um. Okay. So, yeah, I would say I think as we may have explained last week, this is probably one of the reasons for this podcast is to have you all watch Fan of the Opera. Um, and, boy, I, I feel I have so much backstory with this film and musical um, in terms of the musical, I remember I've never seen the stage show. That's something I really want to do in the, you know, post pandemic world is make sure I see it. Um, but I remember as a kid, my mom going out with her girlfriends to the theater to see it in Southern California. Um, and in my memory, like she really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know what she would say now. Um, and then with the movie, so this movie came out in 2004, um, and it was actually a fairly, I say it's part of the fabric of, you know, why I'm friends with Andrew and all the people from high school that I'm still close with, because so in that group of friends, the, one of the people that I first started hanging out with, um, invited me to go see this movie with him and another one of our friends. Um, and when I showed up for that, it became clear that it was a double date, um, which was news to me because the other friend had brought his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and so I was a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> from the start with that. Um, and I would also say I was like not particularly jazzed on seeing this. Like it's a musical and that so it was like fine with me but I probably wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't been like invited by a friend to go see it um and I have very like vivid memories even when I watch it now having seen it like probably literally a hundred times um of the first time seeing it sitting there and being like oh god this sucks like what am I like I'm what am I in for you know like this is gonna be so freaking boring but since that time, um, it's become one of my most watched movies. When Andy was living in Chicago, we would watch at least some of it almost every single weekend when he would come and stay with us. Um, we would definitely watch Music of the Night, and then sometimes we just like keep on watching it. Um, and I really, really love watching this movie. I've watched it a bunch. I've watched Lindsay Ellis's video about it a bunch. Um, like that's one of my like comfort watches too. It's just like turn on that her video essay about it. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, it's just like it's a very it's hard to describe because like I don't really like Phantom of the Opera the the music, but I also like love it. There's a story that this comedian Jimmy Pardo talks about 
with rent where every time rent comes to town, he'll go see it by himself because nobody else in his family wants to see it with him. And he sits there the whole time watching it, like just hating it and thinking how stupid it is. And then he goes and sits in his car afterwards and cries (laughs) about. And I feel somewhat similar about Phantom where like I think it's really bad and shitty and I don't like it. But then I also love it for some reason um that i don't quite understand anyway that's a long way of saying this movie is like very important to me but it's very very bad very bad very bad on like a technical filmmaking level and very bad as an adaptation of phantom something which already isn't really that good to begin with so anyway all right (laughs) well andrew uh had you seen this before uh, no, I had never seen this movie before. I, uh, Kit, you did it. I you know, finally yay. did it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I have never seen it. I never wanted to see it. Um, but alas, here we are. All right. This is the culmination of 20 years of plotting mm-hmm. by Kit. I guess what 16 years of plotting by Kit. Yeah, it's eight, um, eight, 18. 17. If we're, if, if we're doing the math correct. <laughs> 2004. It's two, oh, it's 20. You're right. Never mind. I'm fucking stupid. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it came out in December, so we're about, you know. Whatever. But that's okay. I'm stupid, too, so <laughs> I don't do good at math. Um, but uh, what'd you think? Tell us what you thought. It looks like you loved it, yeah. and you're excited to tell us all of the things you enjoyed about it. I hated this movie on a cellular level. <laughs> okay. It was no fun to watch. Um at all on like i could i i don't know opera i don't know music like kit does like i just i all i'm looking at is just shit 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 i (laughs) hated everything about it just about (laughs) well no not everything let me say this the movie opens and there's like a kind of uh is a it's a shot of the exterior of the uh opera house and it's like ye old time film you know like you know, 16 frames per second, black and white, lots of scratches, just like, looks like shit. And at first I was, and then it's like, but it's like a really very cinematic crane shot. It's clearly CGI underneath there, but it kind of looks, it kind of looks cool at first. And I'm like, oh, this is like a neat kind of thing that you, it's like, uh, it's so, it's such an impossible shot that it kind of circles back to being cool. And then so much of the movie is this kind of cut between the present Mm-hmm. which is in scratchy 1910 black and white you know distressed footage film footage and then everything else is in you know 30 years prior uh is you know saturated you know normal looking film so it's just like it's a very weird i don't like the language of the movie from the start mm-hmm. is fucked up yes, you know in a that... way that just like it doesn't make any sense and it's just like i don't understand why you're making this choice and then as as the movie progresses and we're going back and forth to the present black and white and the past color um that look that aesthetic looks more and more like a like a fucking instagram filter or mm-hmm. something it just it looks so fucking shitty um and i just got angrier and angrier and it's like it's a weird thing going from seeing like just like slightly being your interest being peaked at the very beginning uh-huh. to very quickly being upset so it's um, a, it's a very good that is a very good emblem for what the movie is because that is for me one of the things i was referring to when i said sitting down in the theater to watch this and just knowing immediately fuck this is going to be really boring and like pretentious but 
it's it, it's also important because it to me gets at what this movie does like the its biggest mistake is that it doesn't consider how to translate what makes Fan of the Opera work as a musical, work arguably better than any other musical in history in terms of box office and, you know, runtime and all that. Um, yeah, it's wild. It it doesn't think about how to translate that cinematically at all. So, for instance, that that opening device, that, like, of it being later and him going to this auction, it does exist in the in the musical, but it's only in that opening scene. We don't keep returning to it. So they lengthen it tremendously. And the reason okay. it exists in the musical is for nothing to do with plot. It's exclusively because in in the what happens in that scene is the reveal of the chandelier and the transformation of this like dingy, dusty, you know, seen better days place into this glorious set which works which is mind-blowing when you're seeing it it in person but in the movie that kind of reveal is not as effective because we all know that movie tricks can accomplish that um you know Mm -hmm. it's good because it means the music comes in but also but even the chandelier as a device is not as important in the in the movie it's just the thing that crashes at the end and causes the fire. In the musical, it's this fucking huge thing that swings around all over the audience. It's much more like a Disney ride in a way. So they didn't so they looked at that framing device, which doesn't for the in the movie could cut it completely and it wouldn't matter. Um and instead they made it longer, which only but they didn't make it integral to the plot in any way. They didn't connect they didn't decide to expand that framing device and give it some kind of meaning to the movie. They just expanded it instead of going like, well, wait, but this does something for the musical. It does nothing for our movie, so let's not even have it. I think I think you could cut almost all of the the 1907 or whatever, 1910 stuff. I think you could cut almost all of it. I think maybe the thing at the end with the grave um, is maybe like a nice button, I guess, if I'm being generous to this movie and trying to fix it. Um, but everything else I, I agree with. I did want to say that I did, I did, I did like that transition mm-hmm. when the lights come on, yeah. uh, f- for mm-hmm. the, the chandelier cool. and it goes up and then there's like a, there's probably, I'd say like half of that sequence doesn't feel like, um, obvious, uh, computer effects to me. Mm-hmm. And then as it kind of goes on, it starts to kind of out where it's welcome. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was, it was a cool moment. Um. So, good job. Yeah, that part uh, kind of reminded me of Titanic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made me sure. almost want to watch Titanic again. I instead think of watching that that's a movie. huge inspiration for this. I think yeah. there's three huge movie inspirations for this. One is Titanic, and then the other two huge ones are Chicago and um, Moulin Rouge. Um, when which, did Chicago as Lindsay come Ellis out? points. Oh yeah. Uh, two thousand one or two, two thousand two, I think. So, oh yeah, and quick question: Is Moulin Rouge actually good? Like, should I rewatch so this, that? I think about it. That every is now and a then. good question. I think I was just talking to Lee about this today. I hated Moulin Rouge as, and I hated Moulin Rouge as a thirteen-year-old girl or whatever I was then. I hated it. Okay, and it was made for me, I think. So, but I think it is. 
I have a feeling. I don't know if I could stomach watching it again because I hate it that much. But I think about it too. But I think it is very successful at what it's doing. I think it's trying to do a very crazy, um, like over the top, difficult thing. And it does everything it needs to do in order to make that work for the people who are going to like what it's doing. Like, I think it is okay. very thoughtful and deliberate about how it presents this very wacky um, grading or what I find to be grading. So I think it is probably good and successful if you aren't if you don't find it obnoxious, which I do. Um, and okay. Chicago, I think, is very I enjoyed good it at as the well. Time. Um, yeah. The reason. So I was saying that there, that I think. Those are that it is bad to take inspiration from those two movies because they, as again, this is all like Lindsay Ellis basically, but they take opposite approaches to how to deal with making a musical because Chicago takes what in the stage show are just like, you know, kind of, I think, I think kind of traditional non diegetic musical numbers and makes them all very clearly fantasy sequences. Like every mm -hmm. single performance that happens in the movie, except for the first and the final ones, are staged as these fantastical sequences that contrast with sort of the like brutal, violent reality of Chicago at that time period. And then Moulin Rouge is just like balls out, the entire world is like insane and crazy. And, you know, pitched to this musical, uh, like, valence at, like, all times. And then, so they're doing, like, one is just, like, this whole thing's a fantasy. This whole thing's a fairy tale. And the other one is, like, we want a very distinct contrast between what is, like, this kind of gritty reality and this sparkly fantasy sequence. Um, and fa so Phantom ends up, like... Phantom, first of all, isn't really like that because it is like it's sung through. It's an opera in a way where like there's not really there's more dialogue in this movie than I think there is in the show. Like more lines are spoken. Um, but that but it's it's already even your spoken word is really music. You know, it's it's lyrics. Um, so it doesn't really make sense to take inspiration from either of those movies and certainly not both. Interesting. Yeah. I, I thinking back on it, it's like, like I was in high school when all of these movies we've just talked about, uh, other than Titanic came out and it was kind of, I just sort of took it for granted that it was like a holiday season musical was gonna, although yeah. Moulin Rouge may have been the summer, but, but yeah, like Chicago, you know, we, my family went to go see that for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think what else there was, what killed that? Like, was that was kind of a thing for a while? Was there one that like totally tanked, or did people just kind of gradually go away? Um, there was nine, which was a Rob Marshall yeah. musical that did badly. But oh yeah, but um, that got yeah, like yeah. nominated really for a badly. bunch of Oscars. Yeah, but it sucks. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that but it was a still musicals still are back. Prestige. Yeah, they are. They're back in a big way. That's true. Mm -hmm. I think I feel like ever since Cats, people have just been nuts for musicals. Yeah. They just can't get enough of it. <laughs> I, I, every day I walk out of the house yeah. and hear somebody talking about Cats. Cats this, Cats that. It's just like turn totally turn the tables around mm -hmm. for musicals. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Hooper. Ugh. He did it. Our I want, favorite director. <laughs> I, do, I do wonder if he'll ever like when is like what's his what's his next, next move? Yeah. Be? Yeah. He's kind of like James Cameron, where in another <laughs> yeah. decade he'll come blow us all away. Well, it's again. funny well, because the Miserables, 
is as awful, in my opinion. The Miserables is worse than Cats. It's just you're not. When was that? That's wild. It's just bad. 2013. It's bad in a way okay. that, and sorry, it sounds pretentious. It's bad in a way that people who don't know about music can't tell. Like, but it is more right. offensive to the to the genre of musical and to the idea of musicals or and even movies in a way uh, than Cats is. I think. I, okay. I think, I think Cats they, gets I, more right about being a musical than The Miserables does. I think if you get, I think if you get the butthole cut out there, you're gonna elevate. <laughs> you're gonna elevate Cats pretty, yeah. pretty high. I forgot about that. <laughs> Somewhere on somebody's computer, <laughs> I have to believe That's ev- it's it's right next to Donald Trump's pee pee tape. It's on some <laughs> on some hard drive somewhere. Which would you rather and see? Some, Every time. And what's, Every we'll time I go to, to see, yeah. Oh man, it's hard to say. Honestly, at this point, <laughs> you know, I still, I still really, really want to see the PP tape. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest, but the butthole cut. I don't think I'd want to watch the whole butthole cut. Yeah, that's you have to I watch could, cats again. I think I. But the PP tape, you know, how long is that? Yeah. 30, 40 seconds. You yeah, know, if that, it's not the, long. The butthole cut is real though, right? Well, they, allegedly, yes. Oh uh, yeah. Yes, and they had to trim that out because well, it was the butthole cut will also also give you Jason Derulo's wang cut as well. Oh, there's a wang. There's a cut. wiener. In well, there? they had to. Didn't they have to like blur his weenus because it was like just too yeah. big and people would have lost their minds. A, yeah, he is a huge hog. <laughs> um, one other thing about <laughs> Chicago and Moulin Rouge: one way you can tell that this movie um, was definitely trying to be those movies is that it has a tango in it. And both those movies have oh, prominent yeah. tangos. In this movie, there is no tango. There's no tango music playing when they're tangoing. But, you know, yeah. all prestige musicals had to have a tango at that time. <laughs> Interesting. People love yeah. tango. I've heard that it takes two to tango. How do you feel about that? Um, I guess agree. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Andrew, counterpoint? Um, I think it's... I think I think two people to tango is a is very um, overrated. I'd like to see a one man tango. Mm-hmm. All right, very interesting. Um, I didn't. I actually, I watched the film. Mm-hmm. I don't have any notes on had it. Had you seen it? You um, had not seen it. I had never seen it. No, I think um, I'm not a musicals guy in general. Uh, there are a handful of musicals that I really you love, like The Phantom of the Paradise. Um, so, Yes, and South Park. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm not so I, I'm not in any way just against them as a genre or as a form. Um, I don't go to the theater in real life. I mean, the I don't go to see musical theater in real life, but I would like, you know, if there was some like I saw Book of Mormon, for example. Mm-hmm. So like I think when it overlaps with what I'm already interested in, I will see a musical. Uh, but in general, it's not my thing. The South Park movie uh, is a, really a better adaptation of The Miserables than Tom Hooper's movie is. Really? The whole Resistance <laughs> song. I never thought about And the march, linked. like, when all the songs line up. That's, that is more yeah. satisfying than anything that happens in The Miserables. La Resistance. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so yeah, I'm not, like, just opposed to them on principle or anything like that. But I found this really hard to watch. I had a really hard time focusing. Like, I kept wanting to... You know, reach I, for my phone or I, open up a I, browser. Well, or something. I'll tell you that you and I are in alignment on that, baby. Like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm gonna be honest here. Like, 
there was there was one point where I didn't even realize that I had done it, but I picked up my phone and opened TikTok and was like <laughs> watching people dance to the fucking Adele song like forty times, yeah. and then I was like, oh fuck, I have to watch this goddamn movie. Um, right. I towards the end. <laughs> Towards the end, when they, anytime they would do like fighting and st- anything mm-hmm. that I felt like I could just, I could, I would fast forward because I couldn't, okay. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I think, yeah. I think part of it is the way it's shot. The entire movie is not shot quite right for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I had that exact, I'm not, I'm, I'll totally let you go. I had that exact same thought. Yes. Uh, today, I was fast forwarding through it. Like I was watching it in fast speed to kind of refresh. Cause I just was in and out so much yesterday. I had that exact, like, I was like, I don't know why, but the, everything, the camera looks in like a slightly wrong yes. place. It constantly. was, I felt like either the, sh- I felt like every shot was not every shot, but most of the shots were like the camera or it was too close. or the lens was too long. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I felt like, Oh, the fight scenes were awful. Just so awful. So bad. All added, I don't know. By the way, What's that? All added. Like, there's no sword fight in the in really? the musical. Well, uh, it seems like they fucking added it in post too. Here, mm-hmm. like, it was just, <laughs> it was so, so, so bad. I mean, you you couldn't track anything. It was all just inserts. Um, I, I feel like it was something they did not um, choreograph or train for. I felt like it was something that was completely created in the edit. It just is wretched to look at, and I didn't like. You know, there were things about this movie's aesthetic that were very, um, that felt very stage musically. Like there was, you know, there like all the, you know, the sort of like, um, you know, the mist in his lair and yeah. just the, the, the way it, the way it looks in that cave felt very much like a stage. Uh, it feels like Pirates of the Caribbean. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, but it's mm-hmm. like, but it's like overlit, and it looks 100... fucking stupid for a movie. See, that for me is it's the editing and the lighting that make it like. Even looks, more oh, so like, where than where yes. like the cameras like the editing nothing happens in time with music the lighting in that especially like I notice it the most when they're walking around the opera lobby sure. kind of like where all the stairs are I'm just like it's like the 1870s I think like shouldn't this be lit by candles and sh- shit <laughs> like but everything yeah. is just like bright as fuck it looks horrible it looks really bad see and, and I and oh. I couldn't tell if that was like. Like the thing that was off to me about the visuals was like, is some of this like dated CGI, like from, you know, from 2004? No, I don't think so. Uh, but I the mean, lighting a little makes bit, sense. a little bit. There's like yeah. some exteriors and stuff where you I notice. I think most uh, of the like interiors are sets. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But like that. What roof, was that? The, the rooftop. There's like a rooftop scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can, yeah. you can tell that that's comped into a CG, yeah. you know, on a, on a green screen. Stage. Right. And that was it was kind of like it made it look cheap. And it's like, I know that it was expensive at the time. I don't know. But it was weird, too. It was weird, too, where I, I felt like there was almost like a bit of, like, nostalgic recognition of, like, oh, this is, like, what looks like something when I would have been back in yeah. school. So you have, like, slight positivity to that. But then, yeah, but it just looked kind of weird. I don't know like, if it, it was. Expe- I, I actually, I don't know what the budget for this movie was, but Andrew Lloyd Webber financed it. It, did, it was not traditionally <laughs> oh, really? made through what? a studio. So I think it is oh cheap. My, okay. And I think the sets are very small. Like, did you notice that, again, it's to the point that they didn't think about, like, my least favorite thing, especially now that I'm watching, I'm watching so many musicals right now to, for everything that came out this year, and I'm really thinking a lot about how often, like, I think the best 
filmmakers for musicals are theater directors. For movie musicals are theater directors. And so far, the movies that I've watched this year that have been directed by theater directors are way better than the ones directed by traditional film directors because they don't. I haven't seen West Side Story yet. That's probably an exception. But um, they like this movie. It's like Joel Schumacher didn't think at all about like, okay, how do I make songs interesting to watch in a movie? It's so many yeah. of them are just people walking slowly. It's just a wonder of someone slowly walking towards something. Like there's, that was another point that the shot, there's like in uh, Angel of Music, which is one of the first songs and it's Christine and what's her face shot from above walking down a hallway for a full minute singing the song and we can't see their faces. There's no cut. They're just slowly walking down a hallway. We don't know whose vantage point we're in until the end. And it turns out to be the guy that ends up getting hanged. And I'm like, so why? That makes the whole point of the scene feel like it was that he was watching them. Are we supposed to think he was a creep? Are we supposed to be glad that he's dead later? Or was it literally just to establish that he's a person so that we recognize when he's killed? I don't know. But like so many of the scenes are just people slowly walking around. And it's like, bruh, then why make this? Like, yeah, I don't know. Because in, in, I... in a musical, you have the excitement of a person standing in front of you actually seeing it like listening yeah. to Michael Crawford sing you don't need a lot of other shit going on but it's not live these people aren't good singers for the most part so what what like do something visually for fuck's sake yeah there was one part i don't remember exactly what it came before or after but it's exactly what you're talking about. But it's like Patrick Wilson is just walking down kind of kind of the backstage area, like behind kind of the main stage. And it really like for like maybe three or four minutes, it's just it's the camera in front of him as he goes yeah. forward. And like I thought it was it's kind of cool in the sense where you're seeing other stuff kind of going on behind them. But it's also not that complicated of a thing where it's like there's actually like very right. cool, interesting things. It's it's just kind of like maybe an extra kind of repeating. It's not emotion. often these um, days that you see like usually oneers have. I would I think it's fair to say one of two points. One would be in like in a Tom Hooper movie, we watch Anne Hathaway sing the entirety of "I Dreamed a Dream." so that we understand that this is acting and she should get an Oscar, right? But I mean, at least in that, at least in that sense, when you have a close-up of an actor's face, like that's something you can't get at the theater where you can just really see yeah. the person doing what they're doing. And I think, you know, I don't like it, but it can work. Or it's because you have a very like impressive, like complicated setup where you're showing us, you want to show us that like all of this is happening without like camera tricks. Like we're really doing this. In this movie, it's like you're saying, it's literally just a medium close up of P or, or sometimes a wide even <laughs> of like just people singing like, yeah, why? Why did you make this? I mean, I guess they thought it would be a big cash day. And I mean, he's, he's Joel Schumacher. Like you think he would do something weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's very true. I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure anymore. Not good, but like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. This, I mean, back, this, back forever. Weird. I, this looked, this guys, <laughs> this to me, I was watching this movie and I was like, this looks like the Batman movies to me. Oh, yeah. Like just the way, yeah. the way it's shot. Dutch angles. And 
But there's like no, I, I think the difference between the Batman movies and this is this doesn't feel like it commits to anything in the way that those movies do. Even yeah. Batman and Robin. Like I was looking at, um, I was just thinking there's the shot where he kind of takes her down to his lair in there in the boat in the mm-hmm. little canal. And there's a shot where it's a, it's a kind of a Dutch angle, but it's like. Not enough yeah. of a Dutch angle to like say anything. It just mm-hmm. looks like the camera's not level on accident. Like it just looks like somebody hit that, record and walked away. That, and there's a lot of yeah. this movie that feels that way. Where it's, it's not like stylish there's no, enough. Yeah, the discernible style seems to be putting the camera in the wrong place. <laughs> you know? Feels things know that feel who... like a mistake. And I am amazed so the, to hear that Andrew Lloyd Webber paid for this. And maybe that's why Joel Schumacher was was able to just like, you know put on autopilot because um you know he didn't have to answer to a studio he just had yeah. to answer to a well, weird old man and i think the you know the lair sequence the sequence where she goes down to his lair is one of the fr- so this it's another point that tells you there there's a clip of andrew lloyd weber saying i really didn't want us to just film the musical because then we would have just you know what's the point of that but it's like literally that's <laughs> that is what they did but- and there's almost nothing no, I can... No, they added fight scenes. Right. There's <laughs> almost nothing I can point to. In fact, there's one thing I can think of that is something they added, other than the sword fight, um, and it demonstrably makes the story worse. Uh, but the lair sequence, to me, is an example of a lot of... So, okay, the, the Jean Cocteau arms, the horse, the candles rising out of the water and lighting. So... What is that saying? Like, is that Christine's fantasy? Is the phantom magical? Like, what in the world of this movie does any of that mean? Because we're, it's revealed later that, like, for instance, when that girl, the friend, goes down the hall later, the arms aren't there. It's not. So it's like, is it in Christine's mind? I mean, we're singing about inside your mind. So, like, is that what's... But, but like, there's... I, we don't know. Now, the reason that everything happens that way is because that's what happens in the stage show. In the stage show, part of the spectacle is that as they're rowing this boat, the candles, you know, candlesticks come up and light themselves. And it's just part of the like, first of all, it's a way to make a scene change interesting and magical because they're moving from one area to another and they can't literally do that. Um but that but it's like that's just such a weird thing to repeat in the movie because it's something that it's something that happens for reasons very specific and it's a very creative solution to use in a stage show and it would help you add to the spectacle and there's you know there's other things like that like the scene of the ballet when the guy like when the phantom keeps fucking with the performance that they're doing because they didn't let Christine sing the lead part Mm-hmm. When you're at the show, you are the audience. So you're the audience when someone comes out and says, you know, you hear this vo- booming voice say, hey, I fucking told you to let her sing the lead. Like that is like it's like your show being interrupted by this thing. And when someone comes out and says, oh, sorry, we need just a 10 minute break. It's very like Star Tours, like Disney like um, where you are kind of brought into the drama, which you can see. I think you can imagine how that would make it a really fun and successful like musical to go see. But mm-hmm. in the movie, 
they don't change any of that to accommodate the fact that we're not really there. <laughs> like we're like none of that stuff is going to play anymore. And there's all these like in the in the layer when he's taking Christine down there for the first time, there are all these crossfades of things which to me one just kind of look cheap and like early 90s music video, but also seem to like to me what they convey is like oh this set was very small. Like, like we need to give the illusion that they're moving farther away than they are because this set is tiny and it isn't. And there's yeah. scenes when he's singing music of the night. It's another slow walking scene where for the length of a five minute song, he's just leading her over this very small area of his like cavern. And there's parts of it where he'll like sweep his arm out like he's showing her something amazing and Emmy Rossum's head will follow his hand like, whoa, but the camera doesn't cut away. Like the camera doesn't show us anything <laughs> that's over there. It just stays trained on them for this fucking wonder. And it's like, and, and you know, the, the, the feeling is like, oh, it's because like all the crew and the equipment was over there. <laughs> like, yeah, we gotta, like, we gotta move that. Why. Because there's no other angle on this thing that they could possibly give us. It's so shitty. Well, somebody was probably eating a sandwich. You yeah. don't want to ask them to move. Yeah. I get it. Ugh. I, I have a I mean I have a ton of notes. Mm -hmm. I could just we could just we could go start going through them. I do want. as well. Sure. You know, and I will um, say, I'm I was not expecting you guys to like this, obviously. I don't think it's a good movie at all. I think it's terrible. But it, but I am sad that you guys can't enjoy it. The like it brings me and it's brought Andy and even Lee a little bit. I don't think he minds rewatching it with me. Like it's a very enjoyable bad movie. I think. Hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I I wanted to, but I uh I yeah it, it lost me pretty quick. Um, but I do want I did want to like I did have to go back through his. Joel Schumacher's IMDb and be like, mm -hmm. he's surely he's got something in here I like, right? So he did make a few good movies, I think, or okay movies at the very least. But good God, I, I, after this, never again, sir, never again. Um, but uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, my notes. Um, oh, this none of this really matters that much. But I thought, um, I think Patrick Wilson is a very good-looking man, but for some reason he's very ugly in this movie. Oh no, <laughs> disagree, hard disagree. I okay. don't think I think scarcely has anyone looked more like a Disney prince come to life. All right, yeah. I found him extremely unattractive and I I couldn't figure out what was going if it was his hair or what, but Love it. Um, I, also, I think it was his makeup. I think Maybe, he's, yeah. I think he's great in this also. His voice is very beautiful and Raul is a very stupid character, like lame, boring character. Um which I'm not saying he's exciting in this, but he's way more compelling in this. And like for the way he rides a carriage and jumps on a horse alone, like, thank you. I watch. Oh yeah. That was pretty cool. I go back and watch him like jump on that horse over and over every time I watch this movie. All right. Well, um, Mindy driver seemed like she was having fun. She's also great. Uh, yeah. Uh, so she, she was kind of fun to watch. Um, it's very funny, not funny, but just like it's very interesting to me looking at um, Emmy Rossum in this movie, mm -hmm. and just this is probably I'm I could get in trouble for this, but I'm just trying to think about like how to how to broach the subject. The way she looks, just like she's so 
emaciated looking to me. Hmm. And it's like with the culture has kind of gotten away from, you know, not completely, but like it feels like we're not quite as focused on women who look like they're starving themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I just like look, I don't know. I just, she didn't do it. I mean, she's not a great actress in general. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, but I do, and I do remember us listening to some of her music around the time this came out, yes. like at your parents' house and laughing about it. I didn't think she, um, but you know, I don't, anyway, all this to say like she physically and, and in terms of her, like, mm -hmm. she did nothing for me. Um, I very think, hard. I think physically she's, so Christine is a character without much agency in the show as well. And I do ah, okay. think they cast someone really young and very wispy looking, and it kind of adds to that effect. And again, I don't want to be a bitch because, like, look, she's she's a better singer than I am. I don't think she sounds very good <laughs> in this. It's a it's I, a very I'm... for a musical role. It's pretty demanding vocally, and sure. I don't think she sounds. She sounds very thin in places where she probably shouldn't. And Mini, Mini Driver's dubbed, right? Yes. Mini Driver, is, okay. who's a very good singer, is dubbed by an actual opera singer. And it's another thing that bugs me is it's like the characters in, the, in this story who work at an opera house hate opera. Like, they act like <laughs> Mini Driver, their prima donna's voice, like they're putting earplugs in like she sucks but she's the best singer you know the person performing that part is the best singer in the whole fucking show so it's very i don't know that and then like when emmy rossum sings everyone's like oh my god it's like no she doesn't sound and, good and then um obviously uh gerard butler is like a whole you know side the whole hits yeah. his own conversation i mean it's 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 rough um this his like yell singing thing is is very bad um it's it like genuinely unpleasant to listen to i will say that like a couple years ago i watched one of those like variety um career breakdowns or vogue or gq or whatever yeah. the fuck and he was like going through his career and just like mm -hmm. and he seems like the sweetest man yes and he 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 said something about this movie. He was just like, you know, I maybe even like, oh, I know this isn't the best. This didn't turn out the best, but like, this is one of my favorite roles ever mm -hmm. because it was so something that I would have never thought I should be considered yeah. for, and maybe I shouldn't have been, um, you know. But I was in a rock band at the time, and and somehow Joel Schumacher thought that it would be cool to. Anyway, he just was very sweet well, about it. And I liked that. So that's better than this movie. <laughs> I think the parts, the parts where he's really yelling and yelling in anger, which like is a lot of it. I think that works better. Like I think he's kind of something in those moments, but he just, mm. he really cannot sing. And like this, like it has, like I said, I'm not a big fan of the Phantom musical. Um, I've never seen it, but I really want to. And I don't particularly like the music, but I also love it. And I really unapologetically love Michael Crawford, who I think he was the original Phantom. And I think he is the 
like I would like to do a case study to try to determine would Phantom of the Opera have been popular at all if Michael Crawford had not been the Phantom because he has the voice of a fucking angel and he makes this music work like I don't think anyone else can and I feel like compared to Michael Crawford Gerard Butler who I agree is a very nice person I was trying to think like what what is and like his his singing in this is to me like like trying to jerk off by mashing a burlap sack of dog shit against your genitals and like it's the most like unsatisfying <laughs> horrible like just why I'm just like why like when he hits a long note and that's the reason Andy and I would watch this every weekend is particularly what we would watch is music of the night and when he goes let your mind and your spirit start to swoop. And it turns into a fucking keyboard. Like that note yeah. is just someone going dupe. Like it's horrendous. And still though, you know, I see what audiences, you know, don't detect in musicals, how, how immune they are to autotune. And I'm like, maybe people think that's just what Gerard Butler sounds like. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really, really bad. Um. Yeah, I, I, yeah, very unpleasant. Um, I was also just like generally confused about the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if it's just me having a tr- having trouble paying attention or what, but I, I, I was trying to understand. They have so they have a pre existing relationship before this movie starts, right? He her he and the teach her to, Yes. Yeah, he taught her to sing. So it's again, and I think you do miss these things because of the filmmaking. Um okay. because the story is is not complicated, but it is difficult to follow in this and they also make some choices that kind of undermine it. But basically Christine's dad dot has died. Yes. And he told her when he was dying like I'm going to send you an angel of music. Um, okay. Okay. And so, this is which, what I thought. so she starts to hear, you know, the Phantom and kind of be like hypnotized by the Phantom. And she is assuming that this is the angel that her father was speaking of, which is why she doesn't <sighs> want to give up on it. You know, she doesn't want to believe that it's uh, actually just a nasty freak living in the basement. Um, this is dumb. This is dumb. I don't like this. I don't. I don't. I don't think any of it's compelling. It doesn't. These are people. I have. A, I don't know. It's not fantastical enough right. for me to buy it. Certainly on any not. Levels. Certainly not in this version. And I. I don't know how it comes across in the stage show. But yeah, it's not. I agree. It's like if we can pick up on that, we just think she's an idiot. Like yes. Well, in the movie, and so there's the part where. Um, the, so in Masquerade, there's the part where she's talking to Rawl and asking him to keep their engagement a secret. And the reason that at this point, Rawl doesn't believe her, like he doesn't believe that there's that there's a phantom, um, mm-hmm. even though she's telling him there is. Um, and the reason she's asking, and he's like, why do you want to keep our engagement secret? And the reason she's asking is because she thinks that there's this guy who's going to be really mad if he finds out that she's engaged to somebody. And that is underlined. So after they speak, the music 
for that song becomes kind of like fucked up. Like it introduces like dissonance and minor chords. And in the show, that's because she is at a masquerade fearing a masked guy. And she starts thinking that like everybody at the masquerade might be the phantom. So it's like a kind of it's a scary sequence that underlines why she's afraid to let anyone know she's engaged in the movie Titanic style. It cuts to the poor people ha- mm. dancing. And that's why the music spooky is because poor people are on screen or something. Mm. Um, but those are just ways that like, you know, the, the music and the visuals and the plot could be working in tandem to like reinforce each other. But instead they're like, you know, almost deliberately confusing <laughs> in this movie. I agree. Um, I did think it was funny when he uh, <laughs> there's this, you know, you know, in movies when people when when dudes like when they like touch like a woman like here on a solar plex and it's always just like a little bit of thumb on the tit. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, I know. But it's like it's like yeah, uh, yeah, very casual. I thought uh, this is a very small thing, but I just I noticed it. He just like went like full bore yeah. on her tit. So um, that might be the best part of the movie, <laughs> and um, I hope I hope that that was uh, consensual. Um, what else do I have? So many. I'm looking at my notes. I said I had so many notes, but I'm realizing that so many of them are just how I was feeling at that moment mm-hmm. that I wrote it. Um, oh, I said it was remarkably clean for being a sewer dweller. And here's the thing. You don't have to, you know, I, I don't need to see a period piece where everybody's teeth are rotting out. And everybody mm. smells like shit. Like, it's not, although I do think that's nice sometimes. <sighs> but um, I don't know. There's just, it's like, it's, it, it's, it's what I said before. It's not fantastical enough yeah. for me to, but like, you know, I, I almost, I need to see this dude, uh, like, how does he get all these fucking candles in and out of here? How oh, is he yeah. not moldy? You I know? think they like, needed, why it, yeah. He lives in a sewer. So Especially uh, after they reveal that, like, for instance, the Cocteau arms were not real. Like, is this whole thing, like, does it look like a sewer, but he has her hypnotized so that she thinks it looks great? And also, it doesn't look great. Like, it doesn't look, no. when she's looking around like, ooh, ah, like, it looks like kind of shitty still like again at Mm -hmm. best it looks like pirates of the caribbean like the part where there's like gold piled up and skeletons and stuff like (laughs) which is not necessarily like oh i I don't know if that puts ladies in the mood necessarily um so like go farther in making it like this beautiful like gilded place or yeah like or is it a sewer because she also sings about like you know how you how he's gonna how he's living in permanent darkness and all of this um anyway yeah it doesn't make if you want to make it you know i haven't seen the stage musical um maybe i never will yeah, god um, help you you never will <laughs> yeah but i do think that like if you're gonna make this into a movie like let's find some aesthetic reason to do it and mm-hmm. i think maybe why don't we make him like a gross troll dude who just has an incredible voice? That's the other thing. You know? It's just like his his deformity is far less uh, pronounced than it is in most stagings of the musical. <laughs> and it's a movie, which means they could do more stuff. 
Like, yeah. you know, Lindsay Ellis points out that, like, you know, Harvey Dent was, like, almost the same year as this. Like, they could have done that. Yeah. They could have really yeah. made him fucked up. But this just yeah. makes him... The fact... There's a problem when you want the Phantom to be hot and sexy. It really undermines the story because he looks even more like just like a petty dude like bro you look fine like you have a good side and a bad side so do we all like he does he looks totally fine and he's remarkably clean too and here's the thing uh, let me just say this too because i do think that like i think there's a way to have your cake and eat it here i think there's a way to really scar somebody up and still have them be hot. Mm -hmm. Like they don't even do that. Of here. course. I think like I think you could have got, you know, some really gnarly like Kylo John Ren. Connor scars, <laughs> like think like even worse than that. Yeah. But, like st and still and and, you know, have it, you know, you can have it be more about his vanity or whatever. But I think I think you can have ugly scars and somebody who is still sexy. What dude? <coughs> <coughs> This movie references Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast. Women will fuck an animal dude. Like the the, the kind of people who uh -oh. the kind of people who like this musical, believe me, they're down with thinking scarred dudes are hot. You know, it's they that it's it's redonkulous. The problem is that it's Joel Schumacher, and Joel Schumacher saw saw Gerard Butler in Vampire, whatever the fuck that movie is. What is it? Dracula Unleashed or Dracula 2000? Dracula 2000. Dracula yeah. 2000. It was like, that's my mm -hmm. phantom. I don't care if he can sing. He's hot. Like, that's the only reason. And that's the thing is like the I would say that the phantom is he is a sexy figure, but he's kind of sexy because of his talent and his power, his beautiful voice which obviously this one doesn't have the advantage of. Um, but he's also, he's much more of a tragic figure, like, which also, by the way, works on lady audiences, you know? He's more, just, I think the Phantom is more akin to, like, the fish man in whatever that Del Toro movie is called, The Shape of Water, in a way, than, like, Dracula, you know? And th there's, you know, it, it, that goes to the other change from the from the musical is that they tell you that so I think in every iteration of the story we know that Eric um escaped from like a circus sideshow and went in and like built the opera basically from that um but this movie wait so he actually built the opera um yes it's his I'm so I'm to I'm to believe that the phantom of the opera who lives in the sewer literally built i don't know if he literally own he owns it and he i think maybe was the architect of the building um then who are the and who are the dudes who run it the siren high they're managed uh, they're just they're managers and they, so they were, work for the phantom I thought, yes i thought that that girl put him in the opera when he remember how he was like at but the that's freak new. show Oops. that's so in the Oh, so in the musical, he's he's built. Yes, this, in the mu in the musical, the proprietor of the opera. She doesn't free him. She recognizes him, but she wasn't involved okay. in the escape. But it really undermines the moment. Like it's a pretty important line when I think uh, Rawl is saying, 
have some compassion. And he says, the world showed no compassion to me. And it's like, bitch, this little girl freed you and gave you a place yeah. to live and has been taking care of you for decades. Like, I mean, what also, are you talking about? You are, you're also wildly successful, probably rich. Uh, you've de designed this incredible marvel of an opera house. But the I don't, point, but, I don't yeah. understand how the world has treated him that badly. <clears throat> well, but you can see, I mean, the point of the point of Christine kissing him is like, he's never, it's the elephant man. Like he's never been loved because of how he looks. And instead of, you know, being like John Merrick and that almost making him a better person, it's made him like a bitter and evil person, but still like it, it's, it moves him when someone is finally kind to him. But someone has been kind to him since he was a little boy in this version. So, like, again, like, the, one of the only things they change from the stage musical just makes the story not work. And, and, and saps meaning from the climax of the fucking story. Because they're so freaking stupid. Interesting. <clears throat> um, I did, we were talking about how the film looks kind of off. Um, just in terms of the camera work. So the cinematographer is John like Mathiason or Mathiason. He did uh, I'm not Gladiator. Sure. Yeah. So he's got kind of a kind of a some wins and some losses. But yeah, Gladiator, but then also stuff like this uh K-Pax uh 47 Ronin Pan. Although he did your favorite film kit, The Man from Uncle. Really? The, so. the guy who shot yeah. this shot all these yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's kind of like some some good stuff and some bad stuff. So it's kind of uneven. That is yeah, my I don't know what film. happened. But maybe, you know, honestly, it could be, you know, just the relationship of yeah. working with the director, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like for sure. Joel Schumacher. He's worked with Ridley Scott a couple times. Yeah, I mean Joel Schumacher may not have, you know, shot this and but he may have, you know, these could be choices that don't feel like choices, which is kind of, you know, really the sign of not a good filmmaker, I would say. Yeah. Maybe the ultimate sign yeah. of not a good filmmaker. However, I was also looking at Joel Schumacher's filmography while you uh, when you brought that up. And uh, he directed DC Cab starring Mr. T. So that's obviously a good one. Um, no, he falling did. Falling Down. Falling Down is, is considered a classic at this point. I don't yeah. know if I agree with that, but I know that people really, really like it. And Tigerland I is, I think. Falling Down's a good movie. Tigerland is pretty good. I think that's Colin Farrell's first, like his big break. Um, and phone booth. and Shea Wiggum and uh, yeah, phone booth, which I think, uh, you know, the more I watch it, the less I like it. But still, you know, that was a successful and kind of a cool idea for a movie. Um, yeah, it's a cool movie. Uh, you know, the client is terrible. Um, a Time <laughs> to Kill is okay for that type of movie. Is the client's that um, Susan Sarandon movie? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I hate that movie. It well, was, everybody does. I thought it was so bad. It is. Um, but she was well, like Oscar it says nominated for chilling it. and riveting on the poster. Really? Well, I'm amazed to hear that because it is so bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think a time to kill is a bit better than that one. Um, and there's a couple of oh, flawless. The Robert De Niro's Philip Seymour Hoffman drag queen movie. Like, oh, yeah, it was, it was fine. Denise really likes that. one. Uh, yeah, um, she showed it to me and it was good. Yeah. Yeah, so the dude's, you know, there's something to him, but, like, this ain't it. Yeah. It's an interesting filmography. Mm-hmm. May he rest in peace. Is he dead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he died last year. 
Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad he won't have to he listen said, to this. He described himself as extremely promiscuous, saying in a 2019 interview that he became sexually active at age 11 and estimating the, that he had had sex with between 10,000 and 20,000 men over the course of his life. It's pretty good. Yeah. In, so got in a, a way that is sad, but in another way, I'm very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he seemed distracted during the making of this. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's having sex with like four people a day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, also, I think that's interesting. I didn't know he was gay. Oh, yeah. And he started uh, as a, um, like- not that this is necessarily an indication of being, him being gay, but his big claim to fame before directing movies was he was he'd costuming, right? Yeah, he and he was Halston. It looks like, yeah, he, he did. was like Halston's friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he did uh, Play as It Lays, costume designer. Yeah, nothing super big, Last of Sheila. Uh, but I, what I was going to say, I think it's interesting he was gay because I, you know, Falling Down is famously now a toxic straight white man movie. Uh, I think it's actually, it's good in its own right. I know people have to apply that lens to everything. But uh, but there you go. It's made by a gay you guy. So it's actually the person who film. made Batman so, and Robin was gay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but uh, although I yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That movie ruined my 11th birthday. Yeah. So. What movie? Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. It ruined it. It ruined a lot of things for a lot of people. Dude, yeah. would you say that that or Matrix Reloaded was like worse? In terms of your um, devastation at or sitting in the theater. Yeah. So I think because I was only 11 when Batman and Robin came out that your 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 ability to hate a mm-hmm. film is different. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. But I by the time that. I was in high school, I was like ready. Like I was able to hate mm-hmm. a movie. And so I saw Reloaded. And actually, although Reloaded, I don't know if I hated it. I just like never wanted to see anything mm-hmm. else related to the Matrix ever again. <laughs> but, but I did. I saw the third one just last year. So, um, just when you thought anyways, you were this out. Is all a bit off topic, and you thought yeah. Revolution yeah, was a, better a than, one, or so. worse than Reloaded? Worse. What's what, that? Did you think Revolution was worse than Reloaded? I think three is worse okay. than two, but I think two is abysmal. Um, I don't quite understand why people would be excited for a fourth one, other than that people just get excited for everything now. So, um, I think they just love if it, Keanu. If people, I'm, I love Keanu. I'm here. I'm freaking excited. Uh, shout out to all my uh, fans out there. Um, absolutely stoked for the Matrix 4. Yeah. No, and that's the thing. I think if the Matrix 4 comes out and people continue to talk about it for more than four weeks, I'll give it a shot. I've already. If I've, they're talking positively about it. I mean, the word already oh. is that it's pretty middling. So. Oh, God. Okay. So that's the thing. I just, yeah, it's people fine. get excited over everything. And, I'm, but then I'm, two weeks here, later, they here, don't care. Here's why I'm, I'm excited because I am one of three people that I can think of me, a friend of ours and somebody whose comment I read on the internet in the last week <laughs> who think that, that the trilogy is good and that Revolutions is actually way better than Reloaded. So it's like, because there's such a divide between what I think and what almost everybody else in the world thinks, mm-hmm. which I'm a populist. Like, I, I usually go with the friggin' mainstream <laughs> on stuff. So it's a, it's a surprise yeah. for me. Like, I, on paper, I should, I should not like these movies. But I do. I like them very much. And so it's like, hmm. because there's such a 
divide this because it's so divisive between me and everyone else. It's like I don't actually know if it's gonna be bad or not. I have yeah, no idea. That's interesting. So I have to go see well, it. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, man. You know what? Thank you. I might be seeing oh, it because okay. I'm still kind of. I mean, it's on my list, but I have to watch The Matrix first. I really, really. Okay, if you want to watch it, I you know no one should stop you, but I feel like that needs to be a triple. Like that, so, okay. I, we need to watch that on this show. I think okay. we're kind of out in the woods at this point, if that's an expression. I keep not quite making expressions today, but anyhow, um, <laughs> I was going to say perhaps the Matrix could be a project, kind of like the Snyderverse okay. was, okay. where we really just we do it. Like we do the three movies, then we do the fourth one. We can even throw the Animatrix in there. Holy, I've seen holy. That. so. The animatrix the has animatrix. got some cool segments. You... There's some cool stuff in there. Yeah, you made me watch it. There, uh, there was one I really remember enjoying. But anyhow, Phantom okay. of the Opera. Um, yeah, we got to get through this. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I did note mentally, I didn't put it on my paper, but um, this is one of those musicals where they do kind of the thing that people always make fun of when they make a stupid musical in like a TV show or something where they're like, like a lamp, a lamp, a lamp, a lamp, a lamp. Mm-hmm. And they just like take an object or they, it's just like something that they had to work into the song. And then they just say it a bunch in the song. And it's not like they're rhyming anything with anything or they've really done anything with the song. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of people saying the word. Um, there was a couple of points where I noted that. Well, like, these, these aren't very good. Just to, 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 to <laughs> yeah, to jump off that, like I, I really, there's no, none of this music I think is, stuff that I like. Like, I'm not interested in listening to any of it. I mean, and, and yeah. that's not just because it's not, you know, the type of music I listen to on a daily basis, but it's just like, like, um, even Cats has memory. Like, I like that's a good song. I like that. That's pretty. Um, I enjoy this. I don't like any of the other songs. I couldn't even hum one of them. Um, so maybe it's just, maybe I don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Maybe I think, maybe, maybe these songs aren't bad, but they don't, there, there, there's nothing for me to grab onto at all. Yeah. Um, what have you sent us here, Kit? Oh, that's just a painting of the Empress of Vienna, I think. Um, wait, okay. is that Empress of Austria. That's what the, <coughs> sorry, Christine's costume was based on when she sings, think of me. Um, and then this, speaking of the music, this video I'm sending you, um, shows you the degree to which the theme of Phantom uh, was taken directly from Pink Floyd. Um, if you haven't heard this before, it's pretty shocking, I think. Um, oh, Echoes. I do not like Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, unless his music is being sung by Michael Crawford. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. I knew I had heard that before. I used to listen to Echoes, like for two years, I listened to Echoes as I went to sleep. Um, and so I thought it was from some sort of a classical song. Like dun 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 dun. That's from that's even, from Pink Floyd. Even, well, you know they don't get any credit for it, but right. yes. <laughs> but because here's wow, what okay. gives it for, tells it for me is because it's the it's the dun. Uh, it even has that in it. That yeah. Dun 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 dun. Like it has that yeah. in it. It's like okay, you are full of shit, Andrew Weber. <laughs> um. Very interesting. Yeah. And this whole fucking Phantom of the Opera shit was taken from Phantom of the Paradise. Yep. So, Andrew yep. Lloyd Webber, you are a hack. You're a hack. And, and for everybody out there, uh, Phantom of the Paradise is a bomb movie. It absolutely rocks. Yeah. And uh, I would have been fine just watching that again. <laughs> it's a great film. 
Um, really great. Andrew's wearing his yes. Phantom of the Paradise shirt. You I am. I look incredible for all the ladies out there. Mm-hmm. And that, this is a quick reminder. If you pay our uh, $50 per month mm-hmm. Patreon, mm-hmm. you yes. are able to watch the video feeds. So yes. that's uh, <laughs> yeah. something you... And yes, we will yeah. send you, and we will also send you the links to the things that we talk about that you cannot see. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just go if you Google Echoes Phantom of the Opera comparison, the first video that comes up will will show you, um, and it's very but, fun. Mm-hmm. But but if you pay fifty dollars to the Patreon, I will email it to you, so you do not have to Google it. <laughs> That's one of the yeah one of the many services we provide. <laughs> um. We also offer roadside assistance for our top tier Patreon. Within within mm-hmm. within five mile radiuses to where we live. Yeah. Right. But we we are we have Chicago, we have Portland, and we have Kansas yeah. City. That's so right. that is that's, that's pretty a good. lot of millions of people live in those cities. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Um anyhow, what were you gonna say, Kit? Oh, I was just gonna go back to the film we're talking about. Um Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just going through the rest of my notes, which is not that much. Um, the movie really botches the scariness of the Phantom. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the scene of the ballet where the hang, the heat's hanging the guy. In the show, you are watching a ballet, a stupid ballet that's intentionally stupid, and then a fucking corpse just drops into the fucking like, stage, which is <laughs> actually pretty cool and scary and like everybody screams um in the movie we see the phantom again in like broad fucking daylight like when he's up there in that gallery like and he's saying when and he's announcing his displeasure with their choices like yeah again in the show you're hearing that but you're not seeing him but in the movie he's just he's just standing there fully lit and then he's chasing this guy around for a really long time I mean, that's the thing. He leaves the theater. He goes places in horses and care. I mean, this is a dude that seems yeah. like he doesn't live in a sewer. It seems like yeah. he has an office on the main level. Well, you would think that one of the interesting <laughs> things about making this film would be like, how do we shoot the Phantom to sort of keep him in shadow or make him, you know, so we don't fully see him until we really see him. Um, and it's not done well at all. Um, and then like on the scene, when they're seeing, that's all I ask of you. Um, and we, and, Raul is saying, Christine, Christine. And then we hear a voice say, Christine. And you see that it's the Phantom doing that. But again, you're in the, you know, in the source material. She, you hear that and you don't really know. Like, again, one of the subplots of, or the, you know, one of the stories of this is that it's not clear whether Christine is imagining this or it's really happening. And indeed, Raul doesn't believe her that there really is a phantom. And so when you hear that, you're kind of like, well, is she crazy? Or is there really, is the phantom there watching them? But in the movie, we know he's watching them the whole time. And indeed in the show, you don't see him while they're singing this love song because it's weird to keep cutting to this sad guy stalking them. Instead, after they leave the stage, he reveals he's like, up on this roof thing again like the set for the musical is way more elaborate than what they do for the movie but he sh- he's up there and he's been watching them it's a lot like the scene in phantom of the paradise where he's like above the glass window watching them fuck um <laughs> and yeah all of this just ends up like making him very unthreatening non-threatening <laughs> like he doesn't seem like a scary he's guy. He's just he's just mean. Like he's just not like very nice. 
Yeah. I think. Yeah, he seems to go wherever he wants. He doesn't. Yeah, there's nothing. Nothing adds to his like mystique at all about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like then the scene where he's like sniffing that rose is a full minute. It's a full minute of a close up. <laughs> and like it's another thing that Lindsay Ellis talks about that like what the point of that scene is that he's lonely. But we're just in a close up instead of like showing him alone on the roof in the snow or something. It's just a close up of Gerard crying. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> also, uh, George, the, the Joel Schumacher nipple obsession is present in this movie as well. In the first scene, um, there are dudes with like gold leaf on their nipples. <laughs> um, and then all of the statues that they show, particularly during Masquerade, have just like, uh, the hardest, most pronounced nipples on them, which is not art historically accurate as far as I mm. know for like the late 19th century to just have like every statue be nipping out that much. <laughs> um, Again, 10,000 to 20,000 dudes. Yep. So, yeah, just imagine. Yeah. It's a lot. It's too much, honestly. Can you imagine? I, I don't. Let's I, see. I couldn't do it. If that's 20,000, let's pull out the old calculator here. So 20,000 divided by 365. Oh, that's actually, wait a minute. Wait, no, why am I doing it by 365? That's yeah, we got to get this. Year. We got to get this math out. Yeah. So 20,000. He lived to be. Uh, he was 80. So minus we'll 11, assume 69. So, well, right. Yeah, yeah. So 69, the perfect number. 69. So it's 289 per year. So it's doable. Oh, it's okay. doable. That's, and you know, yeah, and so knowing much. him, I'm thinking there may have been times where it was more than one guy at a time. Yeah. And that would help you really kind yeah. of get your numbers up. You think he numbers, had a, so. you think he had a guy, a numbers guy? Someone Maybe recording track it for of it him? All? When you're banging that many people, you have to get a numbers you guy. You're going to need help. Like, yeah. Like Warren Beatty, he always says he's had sex with like, a million people or which something. there's just nothing cooler you can say about yourself right <laughs> yeah actually i would like to announce on the podcast <laughs> that i have had sex with uh 20 20 000 people oh so i beat schumacher wow. congratulations dude mm-hmm. and Thank you're you. not and you're not even how old was he 70 80 80 he was 80 when he died yeah, yeah you're only like th- two what two thirds of that age mm, yeah. yeah 35 so something like yeah so this is pretty good. I got a, a long future ahead of me. Mm. Congrats. Anyways, <laughs> talking about the movie. Um, yeah. All right. I don't. Um, ha- I don't have anything else. All the rest of my notes are mm-hmm. just. I'm reading them, and it's just a a, a decline. You know, <laughs> said this is yeah. this is really unpleasant. Um, I'm so <laughs> I'm fucking hungry. bored. Wow. This sucks. Um, I'm sad that you guys, like I said, I'm sad that you guys didn't yeah. at least enjoy it in a campy way. Because, like, honestly, I watched it this afternoon. I could watch it again right now. My last note <laughs> is wildly unenjoyable. <laughs> that was on the poster. Yeah. And before, <laughs> before that, it was sword sword fight sucks. His yell and his yell singing sucks. And then wildly unenjoyable. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's rough. I think maybe I'm, we'll I, all I, watch I it together. I, yeah. I bet I would have had a lot more fun if you were, you know, narrating it. But. Mm-hmm. Just me, I think me, so, me by myself on a Wednesday. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. So Andrew and I are someday we're going to rent a cabin and Absolutely. we're going to hang up out up there and watch movies for like a week and eat yep. pizza. That's going to be great. And I think we should have Kit come up 
for just two hours and 20 minutes. We'll only. air, we'll air it is, out. That is it. We'll air it out before she gets in the we'll room. We'll air it out. Sure. Uh, but she can come and we'll watch this movie with her and then she has to leave immediately. Awesome. So we can yes. Go back to cool. Immediately. Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, cool. Well, then that'll, that'll give us one movie to watch. Okay. Sure. We'll think of it. Um, is it time for the cruise minute? Oh, baby, you better believe it. I got good stuff today. What you got? Okay. I'm going to wet your palate a little bit. So the first one is, uh, he spe- he's he had a private jet uh send christmas 300 christmas cakes from LA to the UK from his favorite bakery for the nice. um for the crew of Mission Impossible 7 which i thought they finished but apparently they're still shooting i don't know what's going on <laughs> i don't know if they're shooting mission impossible 8 and everybody just thinks it's mission impossible 7 what or... if they're secretly making a ninth one whatever dude i'll take it i'll take it all give It'd it to cool. me give it to me i'd watch it uh, the next, this is this is a this is a recent interview with the um the stunt coordinator from uh Ghost Ghost Protocol, and basically it's about if we we've talked about this on on the podcast before, but basically uh, Mission Impossible Four was supposed to be the last one for Ethan Hunt. He was supposed to get phased out, and they were going to bring it. And Jeremy Renner was supposed to be the next guy to lead the franchise. And um. But they've, I feel like no insiders have ever really talked about that. It was just like all rumors and stuff. But uh, this guy says there was a point in the script where he's fighting uh, Mikhail Nykvist. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, Swedish dude. Where he was supposed to get his leg broken. Uh, they wanted it hyperextended at the knee. Just shredded. End of career, you know. The studio was going to write him out and Tom did not want it. He said he was strapping into his, in his harness. He looked at me and said, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> then he walked out onto the set, did this thing. We had the leg break all set up, ready to go, but it just disappeared. <laughs> I think that is so wow. fucking badass. The studio has given you a mandate. They've said, we are going to give you, you know, $200 million to go make your movie. You are not a bankable movie star right now, but we are going to allow you to make this movie. But you have to set up a whole new series of films with somebody else and it hinges on this one moment and you, and you end it by saying, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> the, I love it. And the guy that they picked was Jeremy fucking Renner, which tells you everything. I think. So who would he have in, in that year, like when that was coming out, why would he have been a hot Hurt, Hurt Locker? Uh, the Hurt, yeah, Hurt Locker was a couple years prior. Oh, oh yeah. And okay. He was um, also the Avengers was coming out like he was on his way to being a huge movie star. Okay, I guess I didn't realize Ghost Protocol was that. And then late. also, um, he was, I think he'd already been cast as like the the Born uh, guy because uh-huh. he did, Bo- he was in the, okay. the Born Legacy, which yeah. was supposed to be a whole new series of films and then just never happened. And then they brought Matt Damon back. <laughs> it anyway. happens to Renner a lot, I guess. I like Jimmy Renner. I think he's great, but he's not this kind of movie star. He just isn't. Sure. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's no Tom Cruise. That's obvious. I think yeah, he knows he's that. like, he's an. He's an actor. He's not. Yeah. 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 Superhuman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kit, did you have any cruise minutes? I'm trying to think. I, f- I feel like I would absolutely love to see Tom Cruise play the Phantom. <laughs> I think he'd be sure. great. And he could sing it better than Gerard Butler, I have no doubt, based on Rock of Ages. You, which you yeah, guys you know really what I would do? 
I would have him do like a, a remake of uh Phantom of the Par like Phantom of the Paradise style. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a rock cool. it's a rock venue. Well this is by um, the way, like this is a rock musical. Like this is oh, I know. supposed there to are be electric rockin'. guitars. But yeah, sure. Set it set it later or something. Do something with it. But yeah, I think he would I honestly think he would be very good. I think it's like a mix of Lestat and Stacy Jacks. Sure. I'll take it. But like Lestat when he's all fucked up. Lestat, Stacy Jacks, and the guy from Collateral. <laughs> all in one. I just watched that recently. I still need to Very see good. it. It's good. You I know tell it for the uh listeners, Kit has turned off her camera and it's just kind of kind of ramble like kind of trailing <laughs> off here. So who knows what ungodly thing she's doing. Ugh. You know they use that movie to like as examples, uh when teaching like um Re- Yes people how to shoot correctly yeah and he him like movie? disarming collateral yeah he, it's like, like a draw or something that he does in that movie when he shoots those two guys he sh- he shoots from the hip like he doesn't take the gun out and extend it and point it he just it's he like draws it and it's it's like down at his hip like i watched that just, little like, part it's incredible over and it's over. great yeah i'm gonna there's watch just, it now. there's a bunch of sh- there's a bunch of sh- there's a couple others like that that are worth uh anyway you should watch it it's a good movie Tactical draw hip shot. So cool. I'm watching it. (laughs) Okay, great. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. And please join us next week for a triple feature of Mike's choosing as yet to be determined. That, you know what? That's the kind of thing that you, that really hooks people for the next episode. Cause they're like, well, they love me. The listeners love me. So they're, (laughs) they're, they hang on my every triple. (laughs) 